Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast. We appreciate you making time to learn and grow with us. Here you will find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, have a listen. Um, I live on a street here in DDO, and the, the development's been, you know, I started back in the 60s. And so one of my neighbors has lived there all of his life. And I might have shared this story before, but my, uh, my front silver maple has a weird twist to it. And I've always wondered, like, what's the deal? Like, why did this tree grow like this, you know? And so um, I was talking to one of my neighbors who's been there, like, from the beginning. He's a lot older than me. And he said, well, about, you know, 30 years ago, a tornado came through our, our, our you know, our, uh, our neighborhood and uh, it came f- between his house and the house bes- beside him, so it kind of came right through, crossed the street, hovered over my silver maple at the time, tried to pull it from its roots, obviously being sucked up into it, and, and the maple twisted in the, in the meantime, and the tornado kept going. And, and that's why I have a twisted silver maple in my front lawn, and it just amazes me the power of this kind of that kind of like that moment or tornado or a hurricane or a storm isn't it crazy to think of like for the rest of my time that I live in this house this silver maple will be shaped by that storm forever it's never going to go back i mean i don't think you can untwist it unless we get another tornado that's kind of reverse and kind of comes the other way but i definitely can't do it and and i just I, I thought about that this thing on my lawn and the storm and the tornado and i have this question as we come to the end of our series today have you ever been in a storm that really beat up against your house or beat up against your you know, lawn, but maybe more specifically, have you ever been in a storm, uh, not necessarily a physical storm, but maybe metaphorically that is beat up against you personally and your life and your family or your situation? And that's the image I want us to just kind of keep in mind as we wrap up this short series we've been in this month called Foundation. Uh, we started back a, f- a few weeks ago, and we've been just hovering around really the same words for four weeks. We haven't really moved uh, from Ma- Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' words, where we ha- we've discovered this recipe for a foundation. Now, it's true. As you start a year, people often get really excited and try to list a whole bunch of goals and a bunch of ambitions and a bunch of things that they'd love to do. But what we've tried to do this season um, is just try and say, okay, how do we build a deeper foundation so that whatever comes our way this season, this year, in life, surprise, a storm, an opportunity, an obstacle, we would be ready for it. And one of the the ways we've understood this recipe from Jesus in Matthew 7 is is this kind of two-part, hearing his words right? Because he's taught us and shared with us, and we have this in the Scripture, hearing his words, clinging to the word of life, uh, the practice of immersing ourselves in his words daily in Scripture, together as a community. But then, it's not just hearing, but it's doing. It's doing his words. It's putting his words into practice. And I think as Nathan did such a great job last week, just helping us pause in the middle of this series to also invite us to abide in Jesus as, as he read from John 15 last week. And that was such a helpful reminder as we did that. But all that works together to kind of build this foundation that's firmly rooted, not just in ourselves, not in, in our strengths and capabilities, not in the things we own or have, but firmly rooted in Jesus. And the reason we even catch this as we're going to read this text one more time is that it's, Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a new rabbi on the scene. 
He calls us to listen to him, to accept his words, to submit to his teachings, even that word submit to his teachings, a little countercultural in our day. And uh, the atheist turned Christian, C.S. Lewis, and many of you know him today as just the guy who wrote the story that Disney produced a few years ago, the, you know, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. But he was a staunch atheist in the Oxford learning community in England, became, became a Christian and a follower of Jesus. And one of the things that he had said when he really started to kind of encounter Jesus, and he's very famous for this, he said, listen, either, either we got to look at Jesus as a lunatic like his eyes are crazy off the charts, or we got to look at him as a liar, that everything he said was just complete, in English word, rubbish. Um, I figured he'd probably say that. I, I wouldn't use that word. But anyways, uh, or, or he's Lord, or he's Lord. And C.S. Lewis um, came to grips with Jesus and discovered him as Lord. And if he's Lord, then we're going to listen and we're going to follow and we're going to put together his words and his ways in what it means to build the foundation. So we're, we're going to read this text one more time just to remind us of this and another text later on. Matthew chapter 7, you feel free to listen to it, um, to follow along or read with us. So here's Jesus, Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. God, as we um, just pause one more time and just uh, really submit to this text as we've just allowed ourselves to sit with it slowly this month, um, grab our attention again. Maybe there's a word or a phrase or something that's even more relevant to us today that you want to get our attention about. And so we just want to be available for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus' audience is uh, very likely from Galilee, as, as, as the story in, in uh, the Gospels would present itself. And a uh, famous spot in that part of the world is the Sea of Galilee. And the it, Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. So the water becomes really warm during certain seasons. But when this cold rush, that's a really nice picture of it. That looks like resort-like picture of it. But when, when the cold rush, the, the cold air is kind of rushing from the hills, it's really prone to have like this sudden climate change. And sudden storms were very common. And sometimes violent storms were common. And so Jesus speaking these words to the people listening at the time, especially in that region, would have quickly made the connection to like something normal that they would have seen in their life. Like, like you know, it's like, uh, we don't, I don't live in Florida, but if you live in Florida, it's like, you know, hurricane comes, get the wood, get the nails, you know, kind of, you know, cover the windows, whatever. Very common, right? People who are living in this time and listening to Jesus' words, that metaphor would have been very relevant for them. And Jesus used this metaphor to ground them in this understanding of what it means to build a solid foundation. 
It, they would have understood that very quickly. And so this common scenario for them of rains coming or floods, you know, uh, growing or winds coming and beating against their boats or beating against their homes or if they were maybe a marketplace leader and they had a kiosk in the marketplace, beating against their kiosk and the, the tent over it or the tarp and hitting against their shelter and their livelihood that would be at risk. And as they're listening to this, it would have been common for them to understand that. And I think when we ask this question, and this is the kind of thought I want to bring about today, because we've talked about the words of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, and abiding in Jesus. And I'm wondering, like, what kind of storms might Jesus be referring to in their lives? Obviously, it's not just about the weather, right? Like, it can't just be about rain, um, although that's important. And I want you to consider Jesus' worldview for a moment because Jesus is steeped in the prophets of the Old Testament, steeped in the Psalms, steeped in the, in the, in the Old Testament Scriptures. The, the idea of a storm in the, in the Old Testament Scriptures would have quickly been understood as a, as a test, as a trial, as an obstacle, as a struggle, uh, maybe as deceit, deceitful lies uh, in a campaign or in something going on uh, in their culture or something like that. And then like a, like a sudden storm, that test or that obstacle just beats against your life, beats against your situation personally, relationally, vocationally, financially, maybe spiritually, and just hits you, and you're like, what do, what do I do with that? How can I withstand this? Is this going to topple me over? And I think of kind of two ways that maybe we can consider these kind of storms in our own life as we want to build this foundation. Because we've been saying all along the last few weeks, we don't know what next month holds. We don't know what this year holds. We, don't, we, we obviously plan, you know, to grow and, and, to, and to see next steps in our lives in so many ways. But we, we ultimately never really know, right? Just like a storm comes in a sudden way. And so one of the ways of thinking of the storms is these storms of life, an obstacle, a hardship, a struggle, something we come up against, and usually something that happens in our life in such a way that it causes us to question. Something happens in such a way, so tangible, that we question our ability to solve it. We question our ability to get through it. We question our ability to, can, can I move on from this? This was such a big hit. Can I move on from this? Moments where we probably ask questions like, what are we going to do? Or how are we going to handle this? Or who's going to help me get through this? Or will this detour me and ruin me? And I think when we have some serious storms in our lives, often those questions come up in our heart, in our mind, in our soul. Think about just, you know, a few years ago as now, you know, we just, the, the pandemic is a memory and COVID hit and many of us ask those questions. What's going to happen? What's, what's next? What's, what's going to, what, you know, what's going to go on and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Now, as Canadians, uh, you know, there, was, there were many people hit, but then there was a whole bunch of people who rushed to Walmart and Costco and bought toilet paper, right? And it's like, okay, I'm ready. But True, true story, if you lived in India and you were a merchant in a rural area and you were riding your bike back home when the news hit and you just were told, don't come back tomorrow, there's no work, we can't be close, you're somebody who's riding your bike home maybe 15 miles to get back to your village and they didn't pay you because work is over and you're like, what am I going to buy for my family to eat tonight? What are we going to do tonight? And what am I going to do tomorrow? And, and all these questions come up in your mind. 
Imagine going home with no money to buy food for dinner or any uncertainty of provision for tomorrow was ripped from you just like that. That's a serious hardship. That's a serious storm that many people have faced. I have a friend in Calgary. He's a pastor of a church out there that I've had the privilege of connecting with in, in my own journey the last 20 or so years. And um, he's about 10 years younger than me. And he found out a few years ago that his little boy, maybe five or six years old, had cancer. And uh, I've heard part of his story. And I heard him say, tell, tell his story just recently and say that when he first heard the news, his mind immediately went to a year from now and he asked, what am I gonna say at my son's funeral? Like that, this is the thought that came to his mind when he found out about the serious cancer that his little boy had. Imagine being in his shoes, hearing that news, and then that's your thought. What am I gonna say at my son's funeral? And having no clue what's gonna happen next. And the weight of that burden, the thoughts, the uncertainty of that outcome, I can't imagine that. There are some of us that deal with uh, consequences of our past. Maybe we're not the same person anymore, but we still deal with some of the consequences. In very serious scenarios, some people deal with a prison sentence. In some scenarios, people deal with a reputation that, that they wish would slip away because they're not that person anymore. For some, it's paying off a financial debt that they're still paying off because either something that was part of their decision-making or out of their decision-making, and they're just left with paying this debt. And these are the kinds of storms that really shake us. And Jesus says these words, and I think the phrase is so helpful for us. It's like they beat against us, like a storm beats against a house. They beat against us like the winds and the floods and the rain beat against a house. And Jesus cautions us because he says, without a foundation in me, you are, li you are liable to be swept away in the middle of that storm. You're liable like a house come crashing down because of that storm if your foundation is not built in me. And sometimes it's, it's really important to keep that image in mind and keep that there because sometimes we only think about obstacles and, and struggles. But you know what else can beat up against us like a storm? It's sometimes it's our opportunities and it's our successes. They might not seem as tragic, and at first they might even seem like a blessing, Oh, I got more responsibility. Oh, I have this opportunity. Oh, my platform for business or this is growing. And an opportunity or success can sometimes surprise us and even sometimes blind us. It seems good, but like a storm or a flood, it can also overwhelm us. Like a storm or a flood, it can also deceive us. Sometimes success and opportunity can do these things. I've sat with many successful people and often I've heard words like, this recent success has drowned me because I just, and my responsibilities are just overwhelming me. Or some have said, my wealth has deceived me. I thought my wealth was gonna just be everything helpful for me, but I realized my wealth has deceived me. My fame has ruined me. 
And there are people who have experienced success and wealth and fame, and they, and they can stop and look and say, that's been a storm beating against my house. I cannot contain it. It's actually not been as lovely as I would have liked it to be. And like floodwaters slowly rise, we don't pay attention, and we think, oh, it's, this is a cool breeze, I love it. Oh, this is amazing, this is like water, I can just kind of like, this is good, you know? Uh, money or fame, but we can be deceived by its allure and promise. Or what happens is we don't have the capacity in our inner being or the character to actually hold that responsibility. And then what could be good in someone else's shoes can crush somebody else. How often has success crushed a marriage? How often has money divided a family? How often has fame corrupted somebody's identity? We know It's either happened to us or friends. It's like, hey, you're not the same person anymore. What's happened? What happened to you? It's like, ah, I got successful. (laughs) They won't tell you that, but that, you know? (laughs) And so whether it's success or whether it's struggle, whether it's opportunity or whether it's obstacles, both can be storms that beat up against us. And Jesus is calling us that in the middle of our world that sometimes worships these things on the success side or just is so scared about the struggle side, he's inviting us to build our foundation on something completely different than the world does. And he says, when you do that, um, you live differently. But there's not, also, there's not just storms of life. There's storms of faith. And storms of faith can be caused by storms of life. I have a friend that I worked with uh, in local mission here in Canada, and uh, just a wonderful heart. He, his name is uh, Philip Serez, and um, just what a wonderful person. Him and his wife are just, just like love the Lord. Their family has been engaged in mission for so long. And Phil found out about two, three years ago that he had uh, ALS, and um, still in his late 40s. And over the last two years, he's been slowly, slowly, slowly deteriorating in his faculties. And um, this guy who served on mission and served missionaries, equipped youth on mission, but his body and faculties just slowly deteriorating. And I don't know about you, but I think it would not be a stretch to say that many of us would say, why, why me? Why now? Why, God? Why? Why? I think many of us would have maybe have a, a crisis of faith, like, man, I thought you've called me to this, and look at the stuff you've used me in, and what about all these other people, and, you know, and, and now, right now? And I think there's these storms of life, whether they're storms, struggles or successes, sometimes can also lead to a crisis of faith. And I think Jesus also alludes to this when he thinks about storms, when, he, when you think about his disciples who are following him, this new teaching, new authority on the scene, but they're in their Jewish villages. Imagine the tension. Or the early church that starts to follow the man named Jesus who rose from the dead in a Roman empire, in a world that is like very, very at contrast with the ways of Jesus. Or you and me, called to follow Jesus, called to live out some of the teachings that we would read in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the Sermon on the Mount and elsewhere, but we're called to live like this in a consumeristic, secular, individualistic culture. And sometimes we can have a crisis of faith. 
I think for a moment, we don't always catch this, but there was like a perfect storm going on when Jesus came on the scene. Like you had the prophetic anticipation of the Jewish prophets just waiting for God to do something. You have the Roman Empire who is the kind of like large uh, overruling oppressive force that those who would have met Jesus for the first time lived with. And then you lived with a little bit of a, in, in the Jewish world there, a little bit of a, of, a, of a slightly corrupt religious system that was going on there. And then you have like probably decades earlier, whatever, other Messiah figures that would have come and called you to say, hey, you know what, we can destroy Rome or we can clean the house this way if we can just like, you know what, let's get our swords together and let's beat everybody up and we can defeat Rome. But here's Jesus who walks on the scene. That's a storm. The, the, the milieu of the Roman Empire, the prophetic anticipation from the prophets, the, uh, the, the previous Messiah figures that said, go this way, go this way, do it this way, do it this way. And then the religious system that was just detouring off. And here's Jesus that walks on the scene. And he doesn't say, go kill Rome. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He doesn't come and, and, and just applaud all their religious efforts. He's like, man, what are you guys doing in this house of prayer? Overturned a couple of tables at one point. And I think when Jesus walks on the scene, it was likely a storm. And those who followed him, um, I think they, they were now looking at their whole world. They're like, what do we do? Who do we follow? And I think Jesus was anticipating for those early followers of Jesus, listen, if you follow me, if you live the way I've just taught you in the last, like we, we, I say the last few chapters, obviously Jesus doesn't talk like this because Matthew tells us uh, in Matthew 5 to 7 these teachings, but, if, but imagine Jesus, you know, teaching them, guiding them, uh, calling them to the way of God's kingdom, but then says, hey, um, by the way, if you choose to follow this, it's going to be a little bit of a storm for you. It's going to be a little bit of a contrast for you. It's going to feel like, this, like, the, like, the, like the, the rain is beating up against your house because my ways are in contrast to the world. But, he's, he said, but if you hear my words and practice them, you'll be like a house that's built on a rock and you will not be broken down. You will not be crushed. And so regardless of the kind of storm, a storm of life, Regardless if it's a storm of, of health or tragedy, whether it's an intellectual storm or an emotional storm or a cultural storm or maybe interior deconstruction that we go through, regardless if it's a, a storm of faith or a crisis of faith, one's faith in Jesus, I believe, is so important and it challenges the world around us. And it, we must remember it's like beating against us. But Jesus says this, right? I love it. It's so important. I'll just repeat it one more time. The person who hears his words and puts them into practice is a wise person who's built his house on a rock. So he, he or she has surrendered their life to Jesus. They've recognized the words and ways of Jesus as the living word. They trusted Jesus. So remember, like, trust, like, on the other side of trust is how we live. And so there's a new framework for their life in these practices. And Jesus says, the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew, and beat on that house, but, and that's a beautiful word. Some translations say yet. I think but is a stronger word. <laughs> but the house 
did not fall. And Jesus says, this is possible. It's possible that when the storms come and the floods come and the rains come and the winds come, this foundation is possible. This kind of stability is possible when you immerse yourself in my words and trust them and practice them and move forward with them. There's strength and security that's possible. But it's found in me. It's not found in things around you. It's found in me. And so I think about this, that tornado on my street, this tornado coming, sweeping through, and it's trying so hard to rip that maple out of the ground. And it's not even as old as it is now. I mean, the maple's 30 years old or so. And it's just like, as it goes over, I mean, it twists it, it moves it. it you know, there's maybe a slight pull-up, but the, the, the roots of the silver maple were so deep and so strong and so grounded and so solid that that tornado could not pull it out of the ground. I'm like, what a beautiful image for us in what it means to build a foundation on Jesus. That when storms come and rain comes and flood comes. Now, one thing for certain is my tree will never be the same again. <laughs> and I think that's true for us when storms come. And I just want to read and not, not unpack, but just read this one story of a storm with, that the disciples are in that I think is helpful for us as we just kind of move towards wrapping up on reflecting on this. Here's Matthew chapter 14 where, where um, the disciples are on, are on the water now. And um, verse 22, Jesus says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. They were in the middle of teaching, preaching, being with people. They were moving to the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee. And so he dismissed the crowd, and after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside himself to pray. So his disciples go out in the water, right? Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. There's those words again. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to the lake, walking on the lake. When his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replies, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus simply says, come. You want to come? Come. Give it a try, Peter. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water. I love how the words are just there, like walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I mean, for sure there's a lot of things we can grab from this wonderful moment in the life of Jesus and the disciples, right? They worshipped him. They discovered who he was. Man, who is this guy? I mean, he came to us in the lake. He's walking on water. He can command the winds. It's amazing, right? But there's this moment, like, think about this. Jesus heard the words of Jesus. Like, he calls to him, hey, if, you, like, hey, if that's you, then tell me to come. I don't know what Peter was thinking. But Jesus says, come, sure. Like, so there's a word of Jesus, come. And Peter says, okay, I heard it. I'll do it. <laughs> Let's try it. And he follows. He listened and he practiced. He trusted Jesus and he walked on water. 
Now, yes, Peter does begin to sink in a moment of doubt. And I think when Peter would look back to that, like you and me look back to some moments, Peter would probably have a partial regret, right? Like, why did I doubt Jesus? So dumb. I had this moment to just keep trusting him. Would have been great. I was already walking on water. I've seen him do pretty cool things. Like, why did I doubt? So he probably had moments of regret, but he probably had moments of excitement. Like, oh my gosh, guys, remember I walked on water for 17 seconds? Like, I, I bet you he had this moment of excitement like, I really did that. God, like Jesus actually told me to come, and I came, and it happened. And I think like you and I, in moments of storms, we could be like Peter, naturally, just moments of doubt. Moments of doubt because the storm scares us, because there's some uncertainty, because we're not sure, and there's a, a, a moment of failure, doubt and failure. But there's also in the storms moments of trusting. And I think Peter had a moment of trusting a moment of listening to Jesus' words and saying yes to them. And he experienced something beautiful and powerful right in the middle of the storm on water. And what I want to say to you is not to, not to overly get into this story, but I do think about this. That was one storm. It wasn't going to be the last. Sea of Galilee always has storms. So physically speaking, one storm, it wasn't going to be the last. But I think in that storm, Peter learned to trust Jesus just a little bit more. There was other storms that would come in his life, Peter would trust Jesus just a little bit more. And I think for you and me, every storm that comes, whether it's a storm of life or a storm of faith or other kinds of storms, it's a new cycle. It's a new lesson. It's a new opportunity to build into the foundation of Jesus that we are called to. So the next time, it's easier. That came up a little early, so listen, let's read it, okay? Here we go. You'll never go through the next storm the same if you learn to trust Jesus a little more in the one you're in. Just think about that. You, will you and I will never go through the next storm the same if we learn to trust Jesus a little more in the one we're in right now. And that's the beauty of trusting God in a storm. We might not always get it right. We might have moments of doubt. We might have moments of, oh, I wish I would have done better or trusted more or I could have did this, I could have did that. We're always going to do that. But if we can trust Jesus just a little bit more in the storm we're in, we're going to be able to trust him even more in the next one. Because God can use storms in our life to strengthen the foundation that we're building on, the foundation of Jesus' words and Jesus' ways, if we trust through them. Amen? I invite the team to come up as, as we want to end just in a moment of affirming this foundation we've been talking about. But, and I, but just sit here for a second because just sit on this thought for a second. You know by experience that life is not filled with one storm. There's multiple storms. And it doesn't matter how old we are. Like, you know, we could, we could reach 70 or 80 or 90 one day and be like, oh man, I'm done with storms. Just like, check it off the list. I just don't want any more. And then other ones come. Right? Ultimately, there's always going to be a, another storm. And so my encouragement to you is to trust Jesus in the storms that you're in. Don't worry about the ones that are going to come. Trust him in the ones you're in, and that'll help you trust him even more in the next ones. 
He's, 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 all, he's like he is to Peter. He's telling us, come, you can trust me. You can trust me. And I love how relevant this, these words in Matthew 7 are for us. But remember this, not just for like, like the future, but really for today. And sometimes Christians uh, get, you know, get so caught up with just trusting Jesus for like eternity, you know? We, and sometimes Christians have made the mistake of, of, of overemphasizing our faith only about like, oh, going to heaven or new creation. And that's all wonderful. Or, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to trust Jesus, you know, when I die. I'm trusting him for death, you know? Like death is a big deal. If I trust Jesus, you know, God has my back. Yes, that's amazing. That's part of the beauty of trusting Jesus, the part of the beauty of the promise of new creation. When Jesus says those who believe will have life eternal, it's true, but it's not just true then, it's true now. Eternal life starts the moment we put our trust in Jesus, the moment we say, I follow Jesus, the moment I, I begin to call Jesus Lord and he fills me with his Holy Spirit, that's when eternal life starts. And here's the beautiful relevance of Jesus' words in Matthew 7 when he says, and he invites us to trust him, it's, it's not just for a, a future storm like death or the uncertainty of the afterlife, no, it's for now. It's for now. This foundation, the benefits of it, are not limited to one day. They're actually for this day and the next day. It's not merely for eternal life. It's, it's for this life. It's right now. You know what? I don't want to wait until death to trust Jesus. If I've started to follow him now, why do I, I want to wait till death? Do I want to like, just like wait until that moment of this physical body coming to full, you know, a mo full moment of closure and be like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I don't want to wait till then. There's so much more to trust Jesus with. The exciting adventure of following Jesus is today. Now, the beauty is that in death, it's also a wonderful moment of trusting Jesus. And I think it's also an adventure when we trust Jesus past death as well. But I don't want to wait till death to trust Jesus. I want to do it today. And when I reach death, you guys can start if you'd like. When I reach death, I'll be even more ready to trust him. Don't wait till then. Don't wait till then. You know, I told you about my friend Philip with ALS. His story has been so beautiful, and I know there's tragedy to it. But it's been so beautiful to watch him still be available to God's presence with ALS and watch him communicate through devices and his family and a computer program and whatever it is as his faculty start to deteriorate. But he has shown us, and one day we're going to show his story. I've been trying to get them to come and be here uh, in person, and I'm not sure if that's going to be possible, but one day we're going we're to hear his whole story. But He's shown us that in this storm, though it's beat against his family and life, he and they have not fallen. He and they have not been crushed. In fact, these are Philip's words about Jesus and about the kingdom of God in the middle of ALS. This is what he tells us. He tells everybody he meets. He's like, it's true. It's all true. The kingdom of God is true. His presence is true. His availability to you and me is true. And as much as he knew it before ALS, in the middle of ALS, he's experiencing it even more. And 
he's telling everyone around him in any capacity form or computer program or alternate voice that he can. He's like, it's true, it's true, it's true. It's all true. It wasn't just true before, and it's not only true in the end. It's true right now as I'm trusting Jesus. It's true, it's true. And I think Philip has met Jesus in such a personal way and has followed him before the storms hit, that when the storms hit, he was able to trust him through it and still trusting him through it. It reminds me of that, that image of um, like people that live on farms and ranches where there's a lot of storms when they have to go out in the storm and get something like, you know, a hundred yards away or to the shed or to the barn, they often like hold on a piece of rope that's tied to their like front entrance. And they, they walk in the middle of the storm with that rope in hand because they know that like in the middle of the storm, they might not see anything. The winds are there. Maybe there's sand all over the place. Maybe it's, who knows? So they hold on to that rope like crazy as they have to go get whatever after they get. Because if they were not to hold that rope, when they would look back to their house, they can't even see their house. So they have the rope and they're like, okay, now I can get back to my house because I have something firm that I'm holding on to. And that's, that's what it's like to trust Jesus. We're going to be in the middle of you know, clouds and storms and invisibility when we can't see things, but we can be, he's there with us. And this reminds me of my dad when he, he, had, he preached his last sermon before he knew his time was coming. It was three months from that last sermon that he slowly deteriorated through cancer and, and eventually passed away. But I remember that I heard, I wasn't there physically, personally, but in his last sermon, he told the story to those who were with him in his church. And he said, you know what? He said, I'm, 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 I'm moving into a different season, and it wasn't retirement. He knew where he was headed. But he said, you know what? 60 years ago, I met a friend. When I was six years old, God revealed his son Jesus to me. And at eight years old, he just felt he, in that journey with Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, this friend has been walking with me for 60 years. And he's going to walk with me in this next season. And he's going to walk with me till the end. Because I met this friend. His name is Jesus. I've heard his words. I've followed his ways. And I'm going to hold on to him right till the end. That's the invitation to you and me. Maybe you're here today and and maybe the motivation of coming to Christ might be the storm in your life right now, I don't know. But I would just say, let's not even make the storms the motivation. There's this beauty here of Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. And he's inviting you and me into true life, life to the fullest, built on, his, on him as a foundation. And he promises that when we follow him, when we trust him, when we put our lives in him, when we call him Lord, and trust in his ways, in his cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension. He's, he calls us friends. He calls us friends. I'm so, I love that, that my dad called Jesus his friend from, from the age of six. 
That's what Jesus calls us, his friends, when we come to know him. And I want to invite you to come to know him today. Just take a moment. Just take a moment if that's you. And it's just a simple way of making a next step, of trusting in Jesus. Maybe all of us can just have our eyes closed, maybe even our heads bowed, because this could be a personal moment for some people. But if you've been either tracking with us for a little while or exploring faith with us or wondering, what is it? You know, I, I want to step into this faith called Christianity. I want to start following Jesus. And I just want to invite you in this moment, if that's you, if you want to trust him today, if you want to just say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to listen to his words. I want to trust his ways. I want to build my, found, my life on his foundation. If that's you, if you just want to put up your hand, I just want to pray for you. I won't, I won't call you up, but I just want to pray for you if that's you today. Amazing. If you've been sensing that in your heart, if you've been sensing God prompting you to make a next step in faith, I'd love to pray with you in this moment. Just lift your hand if that's you today. Amen. Amazing. Hey, let's pray for these three or four people who have expressed this. And our Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, how you speak into our hearts, prompt us, reveal to us who you are. And that these, even three or four this morning, just recognizing the goodness of your kingdom and recognizing the incapacity in themselves to build this foundation. God, as they put their trust in you, as they confess their faith in you, as they confess the, their own, the, own, the detours and brokenness and rebellion and sin in their own lives, to trust you, to trust you, oh God. What Christ has done on the cross for them and his resurrection defeating all the death and sin and brokenness in their lives and all of our lives. Oh, God, we bring them to you in this step. In Jesus' name. And God, for each of us today, we just come before you and we want to reaffirm that we place our trust in you. You are our firm foundation. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helped guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey and hope you can grow with us. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. We would love to hear from you, ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. 
Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com slash giving. Until next time, peace.